All right. Good morning, everybody. Nikki Burnett here, Taste Life Nutrition. This is Taste Life Nutrition Radio, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com, where I need to turn my speakers on. Um, and so today is going to be super cool. Today is going to be a really fun session um, on a topic that is not well enough discussed. Why? Because it can be embarrassing. It shouldn't be. You know, health is health is life, and part of life and part of health is healthy sex life, right? And I think it's really important to understand that if there is dysfunction in the sex life, then there are probably there's probably dysfunction in other places. And so we have on again for the second time, Dr. Diane Mueller, who um, came on the first time, talking about Lyme right and the crazy scariness of Lyme disease and how hard it can be to deal with and what it is that that we can do because it is very treatable yes it's just really freaking hard <laughs> yeah <Yes. laughs> it's really really hard which is why we have specialists and things like that um but i'm so excited about to hear the story of how uh, there's the pivot or an expansion right expansion into libido and what it is that we can do why we have some of us have or a lot of us have an unhealthy libido what we can do about it and and how exciting it is that we can sit here and we can talk about it i mean i think it's really really important to talk topic to talk about because we talk about a lot how symptoms are the body talking to us and if you don't think that a low libido is a symptom or maybe even an, an excessive libido is a symptom then, you know, we need to take a step back and say, okay, what is my body trying to tell me? So, um, I'm going to stop and thank you so much for joining us. I'm so grateful that you're here again. Oh, thank you, Nikki. I'm really excited to be here as well. And I'm really looking forward to talking about this topic. It's so needed. Like it you is. said, it is, it really is. Yeah. Um, so of course, as always, we start the show with gratitude, uh, gratitude can change the world. Um, I truly believe that if we take a little bit of time to, 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 to reflect on the things that we have to be grateful for, um, I think that it can change, uh, it can change in our own lives, but it, it spreads. So what are you grateful for today? Today I'm grateful for the rain. Oh my like gosh. The, having a lot of rain this week and you know here in our dry climate in Colorado where like there's so many wild fires right and last year we had for the past couple of years we've had some crazy things happen here in the city where it's like where it's wildfires have not just been in the country in the mountains they've been like happening in our local communities so yeah. I really feel like you know just celebrating the simplicity of the rain and helping prevent against some of the crazy wildfires we get in in the state and in the city is a really important thing. So that's what I'm grateful for today. How about you? Yeah, um, that's such a such a good point. I, it's funny because I am very much a summer sunshine girl, and I have to. I literally have to take a step back and think. Thank you, God, for the rain because I know we need it, even though I want the sun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? I know, I know. Um, so I am grateful for, you know what I think today I'm really grateful for are the amazing women I'm surrounded by who are here to help to lift and to guide. You know, that's really what we want to do with this show, right? We want to, we want to bring on people who are here 
in this world to be of service and are lifting others up and, and helping to guide and whatever their gifts are, they're sharing their gifts, which of course is, is why you're here. Um, but I have such an amazing support system of women, whether it's for my own health, which my health is pretty good, but, um, and men too, but you know, right now it's just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the women, the, the women who are help, you know, they help to guide me in my business, guide me in my health, guide me in whatever it is that I, I might need. Um, because I know that being lifted gives me the ability then to lift. And, you know, that's something that we talk about a lot. You know, we talk about needing our team around us. And I think our team, yes, we have our health professionals who are our team. Um, but your team can also be those who are just there to support, you know, see outside of what you see. There was, it was a couple of days ago, I was, I, it just came to me, but I'm not going to remember what it was. Um, there, I was listening to a speaker and she said something, I think she said, you can't see the label from inside the jar, right? Yeah. <laughs> something like yeah. that. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And it's true. When we're, when we're sitting here, sometimes I need somebody who's outside of me to help with whatever it is. So I, I'm really grateful. I have a really great community around me. So that's, that's what I'm grateful for. So. Yeah. The other way I've heard that described is you can't see the picture from inside the frame. Yes. And right. It's like yeah. similar. Well, it's basically the, a different analogy mm -hmm. for, mm -hmm. for showing the same thing. And yeah. I think it's a, such a great thing to bring into light around gratitude with our topics today, because we actually see that like when we're talking about libido, we're talking about sexuality, this has become this taboo topic due to culture and religion and society and, you know, the media and a lot of healing can happen when we just talk to others and we begin to normalize these types of conversations and realize that we are not alone in whatever our struggle is and our understanding or not understanding of libido, of orgasm, all these things. Mm -hmm. So celebrating your female community, I think is like a perfect thing for our topic today. Yeah, yeah, totally agree, totally agree. So quick question, just so I can make sure that as we're moving forward, I'm, I'm asking, we're chatting about the right thing. Are, are you working only with women or with men and women? I am working only with women. Yeah, okay. absolutely. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, mm -hmm. but just wanted, just wanted to make sure. Yeah, um, and part of that is rooted in, I do a lot of discussion forums and these sorts of things, mm -hmm. and the idea with this is like making it feel safe yeah, sure. for, for people to bring in their questions and their concerns, and by keeping it a cohort of people that have similar types of problems and struggles and, you know, the, and questions, it really just creates like a container that feels a lot safer yeah. when it's full of people that are kind of just like you. Yeah. So that's why it's, you know, for women only. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. And that would be expected. I, you know what? But I just wanted to make sure, make sure for, yeah. for clarity's sake. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, so let's start with, you know, we, we, we know, at least some of us know about your history. I think though, that we go ahead and give, you know, a little bit of a dive into your history because it is your history that has brought you to where you are today, even though from the last show we did, it has expanded into this show, um, a little bit different or a lot different, but, but always connected, right? Our, our stories are what, our stories are what bring us to where we are in life and what helped to build us. So I'm super curious, uh, would love for you to share where you came from and then how that transitioned into healthy libido. Yeah. Thanks. I, I'll start with this part. I know I've shared some of my Lyme story, but I'll start this part of the story with 
some things I haven't talked about before, which are I had a very, very Catholic upbringing. And while this is not to talk religion or not religion, it's more to just say that kind of put me feeling a certain way, mm -hmm. you know, kind sure. of framed my relation, my sexual relationship in many ways. And because of that, and because of some of the way that I was taught from a religious standpoint around sexuality, I really felt very confused about sexuality. I felt kind of unsafe to explore it. Um, when I explored it, I didn't know what to do with it and did, like how to say, explain what I was feeling and what I was not feeling, what I was confused around. So I had my own level of like confusion around my own sexuality, my own libido, how to be healthy with a libido, that sort of thing. And, you know, from my own standpoint, I, I tried all sorts of things. I tried open relationships. I tried, you know, monogamous relationship. I tried a lot of different kind of variations of even what relationship looked like. And that was so useful for me to teach me around communication, things around communication relationships how to deal with jealousy in a healthy way, how to form types of relationships where we can talk about how we feel about, you know, about these complicated types of topics. So it really led me down my own personal, I feel like my own, you know, libido, my own sexuality is something that I like explored in so many different ways personally. But that was always just kind of a personal thing, right? It didn't become a professional thing until almost accidentally. And I say accidentally because I didn't seek out initially working in the libido space, but what I began to find in my own work with Lyme, with mold, with some of the chronic diseases I work with, is libido comes up all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's almost, I wouldn't say it's every patient by any means, but it's probably 70 to 80% of my patients that are coming in with chronic illness we're actually working on libido. And what became interesting about it is as we began to work and untangle the root causes and talk about the relationships and talk about safety and work on the psychology and mindset, everything that we do in chronic illness, one of the things that started happening is libido started improving, relationships started improving. So it really was my own kind of clinical accidental work in say treating libido while it was not my initial focus, that led me down to say, okay, well now it's time to do a lot more research, a lot more reading, understand sexuality in a completely different way, and thus the Libido Project has been born. Amazing, I love that. Yeah. And so I would imagine that um, people come to you when, they, when they're suffering from chronic conditions, but it's a whole different way of approaching women who don't, maybe don't realize they're suffering from a chronic condition or don't understand anything, but, but, the, but, but the sort of the key factor is, where the hell is my sex drive? And so I would imagine there's still that approach, like you said, you gotta uncover the root cause, you gotta understand what's going on, what's the body trying to tell us, what are the, what are the, the factors that are creating the, the dysfunction in the first place, which, you know, low libido is dysfunctional. Um, and it, it, you're, it's just, it's reaching a, broader view, broader scope of people who need your help. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think what you said initially in kind of the intro to this show around like low libido is a symptom, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like low libido can impact us in so many different ways because it can impact the health of our relationships, right? It can impact 
how our family, if we have a family, how our, we feel in our family unit, that, that connection we have to our partner, all those sorts of things. And it is a symptom. It's, it can be related to maybe why blood pressure is not regulated, why blood sugar is not regulated, why hormones are out of balance, like why there's inflammation and pain in the body. All this can be connected. Yeah. So there's a, you know, kind of two parts of like the passion project around this. And one is helping people see that this is a symptom and this is your body talking to you about an imbalance that you, you know, would benefit from actually fixing in many areas. So secondly, this is an area where if it's fixed, you can actually improve your relationships, you can improve your health, you can improve your family unit, all of these different things. And one of my favorite things about really working on libido is what it does for stress and the ability yeah. for it actually to help modulate stress, modulate cortisol. And that's huge because stress is probably one of the most talked about words, right? One of the most talked about things in health and wellness. And here we have this really fun and natural way of actually modulating and helping and lowering our stress. So that's another really great life say advantage of working on your libido is teaching your body how to actually manage stress better. Yeah, so there are a couple of things there. One I think is kind of this it's a it's a little bit of a, a paradigm shift. You know, when someone says I just don't have the sex drive is 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 really thinking what is this and why is this happening? You know, this is what, you know, I teach is what you teach is what, you know, any of us especially, you know, in the functional medicine functional nutrition world are going to teach is what is is ask why always ask why um and there are, i there's so many factors that can be involved in you know what's creating this but we have to learn to dig and i know that not everybody can dig but that's why we reach out to people who who um who study this right who are the specialists in these things you know i say this all the time but i give away my bookkeeping because i'm terrible at keeping books and so we have to find the people who are the specialists at what they do who can help us. To the stress piece, which maybe is kind of where we start to dig in a little bit, um, which I love because, you know, stress is this word that's all around us, right? And, and if we don't really, we don't really understand it, we're like, I'm not stressed. I feel fine. You know, people don't realize they're stressed. But it's, it is the... You know, sort of this, this, this ugly, it's a spiral or it's all these, I, I see it in my head as connected bubbles, right? We always, you know, probably in, in when we're, you know, being trained on these things, it's all of these connected bubbles with arrows going to the same, to the different bubbles and then back again. So, you know, it's stress that, cre that creates inflammation, which creates more stress, which cre creates disease, which creates thyroid dysfunction, which creates more stress, which creates libido dysfunction, right? And they all go back and forth. And so much of it is that the stress just gets higher and higher and higher and higher. And it's the stress that, that's creating the problem. But we still think I have to go think, why? Why is all of this happening? And it, it goes back to having to dig. So um, I love that because it is stress relief um it is a time of i don't know i'm just thinking about this will it put our body into sympathetic or parasympathetic so we actually what we actually see is happening from a hormonal level and, mm -hmm. and this happens really through the utility of oxytocin and i'm going to take a step back before i answer that yeah. before i go further because i think one thing i just want to say here about the stress like i feel like 
stress and inflammation like have a level of similarity in how we talk about them, right? Like inflammation, sometimes we talk about like our inflammation bucket. We talk about this mm -hmm. with toxins too, yeah. right? So yeah. it's like we want, we have inflammation and toxin coming into our bucket and it's all about the body's ability to, you know, remove toxins and inflammation from the bucket. And if the bucket gets full, that's when we really get symptoms. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, like stress is the same way, right? Like no human gets out of having stress. So it's all about almost our stress bucket. How much can our body handle where it can still manage it and it's fine. It's not creating destruction and tissue breakdown and, you know, emotions that are very hard to regulate and taking over our life and affecting our sleep, right? Because our bucket is emptied at a rate that our bucket is filled. Mm -hmm. So... When we're talking about sex and we're talking about using sexuality to modulate stress, in part what we're talking about is its impact on the hormonal system. So like oxytocin is getting a lot more of a reputation, right? And it's kind of thought as the cuddle hormone and the love hormone. And the two things in intimacy, the two times we really see oxytocin being released in real high amounts is one, like just through touch and cuddling. Right, so even just the act, even if you don't get to orgasm, is going to release oxytocin. But then secondarily, at orgasm, that's where we get even even bigger oxytocin release. And one of the things it's doing is it's actually lowering cortisol. So the nerves are affected in different ways, so it's kind of it's difficult to, in, in some ways, say it's totally parasympathetic or totally sympathetic because of we have some level of, of vasco vasoconstriction, some level of vasodilation happening at different parts of the body. But what we do see is we see oxytocin is actually lowering cortisol, our stress hormone. And so it's able to modulate that. We see oxy, we see dopamine come up. So it's able to help with happiness and euphoria, right? Mm -hmm. We see that melatonin is can be secreted. So it can help us mm -hmm. with our sleep, mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot of different things that can really happen with the process and with the whole process from start of foreplay all the way to actual orgasm. There's a lot that can happen with oxytocin and modulating stress. So it's not just about like, oh, let's actually feel good, that's some of it, but it is that we're actually seeing oxytocin have this down, this change, this downstream change on many of our other hormones, including our stress hormone cortisol. That's so interesting. I love that. Um, and it's, it's, you know, if we pay attention, um, it, we, we feel it, but I think so often we just, we forget to pay attention, right? If we're in the mood. <laughs> and yes. then of course, yes, exactly. if we're not in the mood, um, maybe that's where we go from there is what are the reasons, you know, so I'm thinking um, as far as hormonal dysfunctions, you know, we've got the xenoestrogens and the metalloestrogens, which are all these, you know, estrogen mimickers that are in our food and in our air and in our water. Um, you know, let's kind of expand on that. What are the other things that can create this hormonal dysfunction that is, can be so problematic and it's everywhere yeah it's everywhere it's everywhere i mean you know absolutely we need to think about from a hormonal perspective of the different types of estrogens like you're mentioning truly from a libido standpoint most commonly what we see in the literature is that estrogen and testosterone play roles progesterone doesn't seem to play as direct of a role in our libido Although progesterone helps us feel good as women, right? So it can have, we do see, for example, a link between body image and even genital image, how we actually feel about the look of our genitals 
we see a link in research between those things and libido. So remember, progesterone like make us feel good. You know, hormone balance makes us feel good. We could say that progesterone maybe has a loose connection to libido, but estrogen and testosterone definitely show up way more in research as far as direct connections mm -hmm. to to libido itself. DHEA also, which is that precursor to those hormones, the estrogen and testosterone, DHEA also plays a role, especially as we age, DHEA and libido are connected. So, you know, when we're looking at hormone balancing then to take it back, a step back, as I know we both like to do to like, why, 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 you know, then we start saying, okay, well, why do we have estrogen imbalance? Why do we have testosterone imbalance? Why do we have DHEA imbalance? Why are these hormones low or high or whatever is out of balance with them. And then it comes down to what's going on in our gut, what's causing inflammation in our body, what's happening with our liver, what's happening with environmental toxins, are we getting the right nutrients? Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, these types of root causes are why, you know, I, I ended up in the libido world as a second part of what I do, because like I said, it's like we start treating all these types of roots and then all of a sudden the libido comes back. And that's because of the mechanisms of Okay, we, we get the liver detox and we get the toxins out. We get the bugs out of the gut. We work on the other causes of underlying causes of inflammation and all of a sudden our libido can start coming back. Yeah. There's something that I want to hit on. It's, it's, it's not really off topic, but it does have to do with both men and women. And I think it's an important, um, it's important to understand first because cholesterol medications, statins, are what the number one prescribed drug for men and women uh, it's it's crazy and so as you were talking about you know DHEA and progesterone and then your androgens and, and estrogens and so there is there is a pathway that all of these hormones go down it's really beautiful I love you know looking at like Dutch test so you can see these pathways that it's all going working down so this is what I'm seeing in my head is, is labs but what's not shown on there, so it shows that our master hormone is pregnenolone, right? Um, and so that's where it starts. And then you have this all this beautiful cascade of hormones that, that come down that are that that we're supposed to experience, right? Hormones are communicators. Above pregnenolone is cholesterol, and so I want you to think that if you are taking cholesterol medications, what is it doing to your hormone levels? Um, it's probably impacting them significantly. So really something to think about as far as if you're taking a statin, ask the question why. Is it truly necessary? I'm not saying that it's not, and I'm not saying that you need to go get off of your statins, but I'm saying that you always need to ask the question why and understand what this medication is doing to your body, to your hormones, to your muscles, to your brain tissue all of those things. But we need to understand that with all of the, the, the medicines, the supplements that we take. It's important to to have an understanding and, and, and those who are telling you to take these things, make sure that you trust them. So if you want to add on to that, that's, that's great. But I, I just think it's really important for people to understand what can happen here. Yeah. And the thing I would add is like, while obvious, there's, there are certain times where it's like, yes, we can see that link between cholesterol and coronary artery disease, although much of the time what's happening here is an oxidative type of mechanism. It's cholesterol in the blood vessels and the cholesterol is mixing with toxins and free radicals that are causing this type of reaction. 
And it's that, it's not having enough antioxidants right. that's really causing this cholesterol to cause things like coronary artery disease. And so I, I think, you know, your point's really important around, it's not saying, we're not saying yes or no, statins, no statins. Like that's, you know, that's a, you know, conversation for you and your doctor. Yeah. But what I think is like really concerning is like sometimes I hear doctors say things like, we should put statins in the drinking water. Yes. And right, <laughs> and like, that is an insane uh -huh. thing because uh -huh. so often it's like we're talking about you know, the side effects of statins. We're talking about things like muscle cramping or these things like that are like commonly talked about side effects. But what's not being talked about is what we're talking about here. Like all of the downstream dysfunction that happens when you can, when you lower your hormones, which, which we can see happen because of this, you know, this pathway that you're talking about around cholesterol turning, pregnenolone turning into all these different hormones. So I think it's just an important thing to really, you know, it's like if you are on these medications, like really make sure that you need to be on them. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't. They're hugely yep. overprescribed. Yep. And secondly, if you do, then, you know, work with somebody that can help with modulating your hormones and help you with that because there is going to likely be a downstream effect that's going to help your hormones or, or hurt your hormones in these other ways. Yeah. So I think that's a, it's sort of a, it moves into inflammation right yeah and so that's that's what you know cardiovascular disease is it's, it's an inflammatory condition um, not a cholesterol condition so uh, not necessarily anyway so um, talk about um, well I'll just take it from there and you know the chronic conditions that we deal with that you know are from you know, that are inflammatory and then just affect everything else including our sex drive yeah, I mean, there's so many different, you know, areas that we uh, were really talking about here. Yeah. So from a standpoint of even things that I commonly treat in my, in my line practice around like mold toxins, toxic metals, glyphosates, plastics, all these different things. Like we make hormones, the pro we process hormones, I should say. We process hormones in our liver. Our liver helps to break hormones down, helps us to metabolize them, recycle them helps the balance really stay in that that reference range, that therapeutic range that we want our hormone levels to be at. So when we're in situations where our liver is busy clearing out the glyphosate, clearing out all the other toxins, clearing out whatever it's clearing out because of the environment and what we're putting in, there's not the ability for it to properly recycle and break down these hormones and we can see out of balance levels. So there's a lot, you know, from that physical standpoint that's happening there, that's happening in the gut with hormones around, you know, we have certain infections and we have certain infections. They lead to increases of an enzyme that I know we both know beta-glucuronidase. And when we have that, that can actually make us have higher estrogen levels. And, you know, we don't want these things too, help, too low, too high. So, you know, we have all of these different ways that, you know, Hormones are a component of, of sex drive and libido. But the other thing that I really want people to understand is like hormones and the impact of hormones and even what's happening from the physical body is really only one component of libido. You know, body image, genital image, connection, safety, like all of these different things are huge. And what can happen in relationships even around safety, for example, like all these tiny little things that we sometimes in, in partnerships can brush under the rug around like, you know, somebody snaps at us, right? And like a partner snaps at us and like everybody has a moment, you know, we're allowed as humans to have a moment, but 
if somebody snaps at us and we don't say bring it up and we're like, okay, we're not going to bring up like the fact that, you know, that, that we had an emotional response to that and we talk about it and we resolve it and we forgive and we love and we move on, sweeps under the rug, we feel a little bit oftentimes unsafe, yep. right? And that happens again and that happens again and that happens again. And these little tiny little baby scratches mm -hmm. that go unnoticed can actually lead to a larger feeling of unsafe. And especially for females, there's such a link to feeling emotionally safe and interested in sex. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very vulnerable thing as a woman, like, you know, to be a little more graphic, like to be penetrated. Like, mm -hmm. that's a very, um, the, like, talk about the epitome mm -hmm. of vulnerability. So safety is huge. And even if you feel like externally safe, there's a huge thing around like, is there some level due to these small, small tiny micro cuts that are normal in a lot of relationships that have led to a feeling of unsafety? So I'll pause because I know I just said a lot. No, no. I, I mean, you you say all you want because I think it's amazing. Um, I, it, it is. It's it's so it's so mental and emotional for women, um, and it's 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 interesting. You know, I love and I, I appreciate the, the 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 differences between men and women. We are different for a reason. Um, we are not the same, <laughs> and um, <laughs> um, and I, I appreciate that. But it is, it it's I, it, I there's so many things that I want to say. I think for one, you know, are you you know with the safety issue, are you comfortable and feeling safe with communicating? Right? Are you communicating the 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 whys and the hows and what's going on? And like you said, if you're sweeping it under the rug. Obviously, there's an issue with communication, and it's going to start to create those issues with intimacy. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know that I have anything to add. So, yeah, keep going. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, the, another thing I'll say there around communication that is so important is, like, so many times in sexuality, unfortunately, the only way that most people are even shown anything sexual is in the porn industry and you know some people have watched porn some people have haven't but those people either if they haven't then there's like no you know portrayal probably of sexuality of in life and if you have then there's kind of a crappy portrayal yeah. of sexuality in life right because so much of what the porn industry has done for women is like okay well this is how you're supposed to look in your body this is how you're supposed to look in your genitals and and this is basically how you're supposed to get to orgasm in five minutes or less, and it's supposed to look like this. You know, it's 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 kind of ludicrous. And so one of the things that I think can happen is, like, then in, like, communication, because there's an image of, like, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like, then if if men, if it's a hetero relationship and it's, it's you know, man and woman, and man is, like, not performing – in this way where it's leading to all these feelings in five minutes or less, then it's so easy sometimes to be like, you know, lash out in, in or lash out in an unhealthy or healthy way and be like this, you know, you're doing it wrong or there's a problem. And so one of the issues around communication, I think comes down to the lack of understanding of what normal is, mm -hmm. the lack of understanding that Bodies are supposed to look different. Genitals are supposed to look very, very different. All of this is supposed to be different and beautiful in their own unique ways. And realizing that oftentimes we, it's you know, when it comes to exploring pleasure, I think that's what's confusing both for men and for women is that pleasure 
is especially for females is so unique mm -hmm. there's like there's five different erogenous zones that have been identified in much literature around like erectile tissue in women and oftentimes we talk about two maybe three max mm -hmm. and you know and it's so difficult to know where they are and what you like if you like being touched in these areas if you don't so a lot of communication really comes down to learning your own body and then also don't have communicate much communication around you know around sexuality in the middle of the act other than like you know some basic things around like oh keep going or you know that kind of thing but yeah. when it really comes to wanting to explore around like how to make improvements you know what to do different what i recommend there is like you know from a safety perspective keep that actually outside of the bedroom act right so it's you know, in a safe place, you know, be like, hey, I really, you know, I really enjoyed what was happening. And I've been studying some on libido and sexuality and, you know, love what we have going on here. And I want to say, see, if we can even take this even like deeper and more profound. And, you know, can we talk about it? Like, you know, approaching it from a standpoint of like, not that anything wrong is happening, but like, here's what's right. And I want to make it even better. Mm -hmm. Usually takes, you know, helps settle the ego help settle that whole thing around like, you know, men tend to have this amazing, I love this component of the masculine so much, so much, like this desire to provide, mm -hmm. right? Oh, That's yeah. like deeply inherent yeah. in, in the masculine. Yeah. So it's like really helping them feel like, okay, like, yes, you're, you are providing and this is wonderful. And here's how we can work together to give you even more of that feeling for providing even more, taking me even deeper. So it's how we have and when we have and where we have these types of conversations, whether it's sexuality or whether it's emotions, you know, really making sure we're putting ourselves into this position for success makes a huge difference. And it, it does, it trickles down to everything libido in the bedroom. So how, how do we as how do we as women, if we're not sure what the cause is, I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to figure out how to say my question because I'm not really sure. If we're not sure what the cause is, we don't, we don't really understand um, and we don't communicate well, what is it? I mean, I, my thought is, well, we join a program like yours because then we learn how to communicate. And I'm thinking that that's kind of, it's a relearning of what you need, why you need it, how to communicate it, and and then doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and really it's like we can look at, you know, libido like we do so many areas of health, right? Physical, mental, emotional, yeah. spiritual, right? There's all of these different areas. And like, you know, when we're looking at like physical stuff, we absolutely want to do things like we want to make sure the diet is clean. We want to make sure the toxins are out. We want to look for these underlying root causes, hormone imbalances, gut bugs, all these things we're talking about. So we absolutely want to do those things. You know, we want to figure out like, do we, you know, what is our body image? Like body dysmorphia is such a huge problem in women and, and, you know, this thing of like looking in the mirror and like, we don't even see how beautiful we are, right? We don't even see our, our curves. And so, yes, I mean, joining programs like mine, you know, we do work through all of these areas and, and some area of we, what we work through from like the, the body image, you know, some area is doing embodiment exercises because a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the challenge with pleasure and with sexuality for women is it's so easy, like, like 
I, if you're everybody listening, like we are all on stage, I, you know, I'd say like, let's raise our hands for everybody that said this because or that experience is what I'm about to say, that thing where you're in an intimate moment and then all of a sudden your mind is like mm-hmm. thinking about the groceries or the kids <laughs> or the work, right? Like yeah. I totally like this is something that I definitely don't want to admit to my partner. Um, but yes, that happens, right? Sure. So that definitely happens. And so as women, though, how do we actually become more present in the sensations of the body? And, you know, some of the ways that I, I have found personally really helped me drop in that I help the, the women I work with as well is actually understanding, like, pleasure and what the benefit of pleasure is doing to your own system. So, like, for me, I'm very oriented to, like, you know, the, the way that, um, that I have like results in my life and efficiency. So if I know that if I can sink more into pleasure, I actually show up better in my work. I show up better in my relationships. I'm more calm. I have more patience. I have a happier demeanor. Then it's like, oh yeah, grocery list. Actually what's happening in my body now. So there's like a, there's like a motivation because I understand it's not just about having an orgasm. It's not just about that moment. It's actually about the hormones that are generated during that and the trickle-down effect that these yummy hormones will have in all areas of my life. So that's why understanding this can be really helpful because in that moment where we're trying to sink into that pleasure more and not have our mind go to the list and all the things that is so are so easy to have happen as women, that we come back to remember pleasure. Oh yeah, this is this is this is why I'm doing that. And so then, you know, back to the whole body image thing. Some of that and some of the practice around body image and around pleasure also happens outside the bedroom. So activities like like dance, I think I have found dance to be such a good activity. But like, you know, whether it's dance or yoga or breath work or, you know, even meditation, but something something that's going to put you into the moment. And I don't even think meditation is always the best for this because sometimes meditation, we just go into the ethers Mm -hmm. and we're actually not focused on the sensation of the body. It has its other benefits, but from a standpoint of like embodiment, what we're really talking about here is like teaching our body by using different techniques to actually feel our own sensations more so that we're in that intimate moment. We're actually present to what's happening in our pelvis, what's happening in our genitals, what's happening in our physical body, what we like, what we don't like, and that that practice really helps us not only enjoy the moment more, but then also be able to communicate better with our partner. And we do actually see in libido research that better self-image does actually impact our libido. And I have a, I have a friend doing a really cool project right now of, with consent um, of actually taking pictures of, of women's genitals and then putting them, you know, putting pictures of their vulvas essentially into like a, a book, again, with their consent, mm-hmm. where you can start to see like, oh my gosh, they can be hairy, they can be not hairy, they can have lips, they can have like big lips and small lips and like yeah. bigger inner lips and bigger outer lips and they can look so many different ways, you know, color, shape, sizes, all these different things. And there's not like a right way for genitals to look. And this is a really important project because what this is going, you know, what this potentially can help do to, oh, this is actually how I look Mm -hmm. down there Mm -hmm. is normal, Mm -hmm. right? This is actually normal because we're all different and it's all unique and it's all beautiful. And that can even trickle down into libido. So it's really, 
you know, answer to this is really just working with all of these different areas and working with, you know, either a program like mine or a team of people that approach this from different ways that can help with physical, mental, emotional, spiritual components of this. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I have found um, in practice, um, well, I think that when I first started practicing, the amount of, of people who have experienced um, some sort of um, physical trauma, emotional trauma, uh, harm, you know, and, you know, you, we know these things are going to impact us. And then at the same time, we've taken what is, like you said, normal and natural and beautiful, and we hide it and we're afraid of it. And we don't want to look at it and we don't want to talk about it. And then so everything just becomes secretive and kind of, and it's sad is what comes to, to my mind because, you know, it's not like your toe is not a part of your body. You know, not everybody has a pretty toe, but it's a toe, right? And it's the way that it's supposed to be for your toe. And it's the same with every other part of your body. It's just a part of the body and it has a function and it's there for a reason and to utilize. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and the trauma part I think mm -hmm. is really important to bring up. Like I, you know, I've gone through that. I was mm -hmm. date raped when I was 19, mm -hmm. roofied. It was like, Jeez. you know, quite a crazy, crazy, crazy thing to get over. And, and that's, you know, it's something that I have a lot of, um, you know, compassion, obviously, for from a personal experience of like how this can trickle down, right? And it's so common. And it does, you know, from a trauma perspective, whether it's something like that, whether it's more emotional trauma, whatever it is, it is important to work with, you know, work with somebody that's trained in how to help recover from that. And it is recoverable, you know, it's definitely recoverable, but, you know, working with somebody that is trained and how to help navigate. I had an amazing therapist for many years that, you know, helped me with that and did a lot of art therapy and other techniques. But that's, you know, that's definitely an important component of this. If like, if you still have trauma there, because yeah. we do uh, store it in our bodies and like, numbness can be a very very common thing when we've had trauma it's almost like the body goes into you know that we have like fight uh, fight flight and freeze mm -hmm. and numbness in some ways from a trauma perspective is almost like that freeze it's like that body goes into shock mm -hmm. and our tissues can actually become numb and you know and i wouldn't recommend what i'm about to say without having some sort of you know therapy for any emotional stuff that comes up but, you know, some things that, you know, can help even in that standpoint is like, you know, is actually like inserting a finger intravaginally and just breathing into like finding numb spots mm -hmm. and just breathing into that tissue and sending love and sending energy into that tissue and just telling that tissue it's going to be okay, you know, can really waken things up. Another thing that can help is like, is actually if you have a finger inserted, it's just to kind of windshield wipe your, your legs. If you're laying down, just windshield wipe them. You can actually feel the muscles contracting in that scenario. When you start feeling the muscles contract, it starts actually re-kind of connecting the neurology, right? Reconnecting the brain to actually begin to feel these areas intravaginally that may have become numb, that may you have some dissociation to it. And, and that's why I say it's good to do these exercises if you have a history of trauma and you haven't, don't feel totally resolved around it yet. It's good to have some, you know, a therapist to help you just in case there's a retracing, a remembering of some of these events that maybe the memories are stored in the tissues. You know, it can be a good thing to have a, a guide to help you process anything that comes up. 
but you know it is a important part of like waking these tissues back up because they can store memories of trauma yeah yeah you know i um i so there are a couple of different things here i you know am going through my own you know transition right um and it's just part of life but what as i do that and also as i have gone in and have created uh you know sort of my little fun project that i'm in love with is soulful conception which is preconception planning right um as i'm going through all of these different places and learning and talking to experts and talking to to people about my own health uh you know i had a pelvic floor exam which i've never had last week which is it's it's so interesting because that's that's what it is it's all the physical it's the it's the you know what is firing what's not firing and and the connection of the brain to the muscle tissue and to the rest of the body what i what i find so often though is you know in i i said this last week with my guest last week but it was we go through life without truly understanding our bodies the, those parts of our bodies, right? Um, we have sex ed. I don't know if it's fourth grade or fifth grade or whatever grade it is. And so you get the little sperms and you get the eggs and whatever. You talk about a period. But we, we don't have really good education on, the, on, our, on our body. We just don't. You know, we go through these different parts of life going, I don't really know what this means or what's happening or why. And I think that, you know, it goes back to kind of like I say with a lot of things, you know, we're, we're, we have become so much more disconnected and bringing back that connection and learning what it is that our bodies are telling us and bringing back the connection to those places that we sometimes try to forget, whether it's because of trauma or because of embarrassment or whatever the case may be those are all things that that should be addressed but bringing back that back that connection i think is really really important in understanding and living life enjoying life right i mean that's we're here for such a short time we have so many big things to do and that's a part of it is being connected to our bodies and what our bodies are trying to tell us and what they're doing for us you know, our bodies are gifts. Yeah, and I think it's such a like, like yes, you know, life is here, you know, hopefully for a purpose and for helping others and for making an impact and for, you know, whether that's, you know, small or big, I feel like we all have different purposes of being here. And while that's true, I also think life is here for pleasure. And, you know, it's here for growth. It's here for, yeah. here for good times and hard times and learning and like, you know, it's it's very colorful, but one of many different components it's here for is is pleasure and enjoyment, and you know, and that's part of like like while we go through as humans a wide variety of challenges and hard times and things that you know really really sometimes can shake us to the bone. There's also the opportunity to tune into pleasure, to use pleasure as a way of navigating even those hard times with a little bit more ease, with a little bit more yeah. grace a little more dopamine for happiness, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And joy, right? Yeah. And and I think, you know, one of the things that sometimes is like thought about with pleasure is, is like, you know, he, hedonism almost like around like, oh, like, you know, we should be, you know, suffering and like, you know, we're, we're here to suffer. And like, mm -hmm. there's almost sometimes a stigma that can get put on pleasure that's negative around like, 
uh, you know, you shouldn't have too much fun. You should really be here like working. And I think we can see this sometimes in even very spiritual communities. And yeah, I do agree with the, you know, with some, you know, spiritual teachings of like, yes, there is growth. There is learning. Like, like we sometimes grow the most during the challenging times, but we get through the challenging times more with more ease with, with tuning into the gifts that pleasure, you know, gives us. And it was interesting in, you know, the conversation around like, oh, we're not taught this. Like you were just saying where, now, I started thinking recently around, like, okay, back to when I was in naturopathic medical school, what did I learn about pleasure? Well, in classes where we learned about males and male symptoms and male pathology, we learned about, like, inability to actually form an erection, lack of spontaneous erections, erectile dysfunction, you know, inability to actually ejaculate, all these root causes that are related really to ability to have and enjoy sex. Mm -hmm. In female class, we learned about PMS. Yeah. We learned menopause. Mm -hmm. We learned about, you know, a little bit about vaginal dryness at menopause. And that was largely yeah. it. Yeah. Like there was nothing about orgasm. There was nothing about pleasure. There was nothing about like that area of the body not working. It was nothing mm -hmm. about anatomy. And so that was like really, really interesting in thinking about that of like, even in this day and age, you know, I went to, it was about 20 years ago now when I was in medical school, but even at this day and age, even 20 years ago, and I don't know exactly what's being taught now, but even 20 years ago, like that was what we were being taught as far as female sexuality. Yeah. It was like basically yeah. nothing. Mm -hmm. So we're still at this age where I think it's like, there's so much more um, information that we need to put out there and so much need for this because it's, it's not even in our programs. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, it would, I, I feel like as women, we could cope with a lot of things a lot, a lot better if we had some understanding. Um, and starting out, you know, I, I, I don't know that I agree that these things necessarily need to be taught in the classroom, um, you know, but that's a whole different topic. I, but I do think that um, having something to help us, to give us some guidance, because we, we just don't. So I'm, yeah, I totally agree. Um, super curious uh, about, about your new program, about what it is that you're doing, how you're going about it, how you're reaching people, mostly because we're running short on time, unfortunately. And I also want to make sure that if there's anything else you want to hit on, please do. But this is such an important program. Um, and so I really want you to, 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 to tell us all about it. Yeah, and basically what I've created is a community. Mm -hmm. So it's basically a community for people to get support in the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual side of things related to libido. Mm -hmm. So essentially in the community, we talk about lab tests to order. I give you links where if your doctor won't order a lab test, you can actually order them direct to consumer under my account with mm -hmm. discounts. Yep. So there's direct, so you have the ability to be like, oh, I can, you know, I can learn mm -hmm. how to make sure I'm good on these mm -hmm. things. We teach about what the labs mean, what to do about them, how to repair hormones, gut, other root causes of inflammation. There's educational vi videos, and then there's also products that are designed to help you, you know, heal from any lab mm -hmm. tests. So that's kind of from the physical side of things. Mm -hmm. And then we, we teach on how to communicate, 
you know, how to actually get yourself into a better body image, how to support your own embodiment practices, how to talk about this, how to explore this, what turns you on, what turns you off. And really, just about anything, it's like we don't, when it comes down to trauma, you know, trauma, we don't, that's not something that I have the ability to um, walk people through. So other than that, there, it's a very open dialogue for people to feel safe, bring their questions, bring their, um, you know, things that have worked, support the community, and really just feel normal. You know, so that's that's largely what it is. It's a community where you can bring your sex questions, where you can bring your libido questions, where you can get to the root causes, get support, and feel feel normal, feel validated mm-hmm. in your own experience with with libido. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Again, I think it's so important. My assumption is, and I yeah. probably shouldn't assume, but that you have people who, who, if they have trauma that they need to work through, that you refer to. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah. I have. Local people for sure, and then you know, and then if it's not somebody super local, then yeah. you know, recommendations on types of therapies to look yeah. for, those yeah. types of things. So, you don't like somebody, or somebody doesn't resonate, then we talk about like, okay, well, what types of therapy tend to be most effective for the variety of things that you might be looking for? Because not all therapeutic method is, you know, I know we both know is is the same. Yeah, yeah, it's very different, and you know, somebody can you know, have, have, uh, what am I trying to say? There might be some really great people out there who can help, but not everybody's great for everybody. You know, this is why everything is so individualized. Um, and it's so important. I love that you're creating this, this community, um, that is open for people to, to talk, to connect, to learn, to understand. Um, I think that what I want to do is put a, um, like a link. I have a resources page on my website and I think that something like this would be really beneficial for people. Um, I would love that. Who, yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. 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 I think that that's, it's, it's important to have resources and you know, it's part of, you know, it's a big part of why I do the show is so people know that there are resources. There are things outside of the conventional um, that can be really beneficial and really helpful and can, can again, help to, to build that team, build whatever it is that you need to get you where wherever you want to be, wherever your goals are, um, you know, people are out there who can help and and have have such gifts of of again lifting, right? It's, it really that's what it's all about. It's a, it's about lifting. So um, and creating an amazing world. You know, we, there's <laughs> there's a lot of negativity out there, and I'm like, nah. We don't need any of that. Yeah. (laughs) Good, positive, fun stuff. And this is the good, positive, fun stuff. Sex is good. Sex is positive. Sex is fun in a healthy way. Um, And so if if there are situations where you're not understanding your body, if if, if, if your libido has changed, if you're unable to communicate, if you just don't know, then, you know, this is this is a great you know, great, great uh, community to reach out to. Dr. Mueller, you're awesome at what you do. I just love what you're doing. It's really cool stuff. So thank you. You too, Nikki. It's such a pleasure to talk to you again. Yeah. Um, Make sure. So we want to make sure that people uh, know how to find you, where to find you, whether it's for Lyme, whether it's for libido, whether it's for a combo, because it can happen. Um, How do they find you? Yeah, so if you have anything more chronic, Lyme, mold, chronic inflammation from a 
standpoint of like autoimmune disease, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, you can check me out at mylinedoc.com. If you have anything libido going on, then you can find me at thelibidodoctor.com. And that's really how to get a hold of me. The, you can also find me under my name, drdianemuller.com as well. So any of those resources and you'll get to me. Cool. Yeah. No, it's really good. And I, I was checking out your your libido website this morning, and it's just really nice. It's 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 really great and informative. And I, I just again, I don't mean to be repetitive, but I am. I love that you're doing this. So good Thank stuff. Um, of course, you can find me at tastelifenutrition.com. Uh, there's a free assessment on the website, and I'm happy to then reach out to you. We'll chat, per, uh, you know, one on one about what's going on. We'll see if I can help, or we'll see if we need to refer you to somebody, somebody like uh, Dr. Diane, which w- which is, you know, again, why I love what I do, um, surrounded by amazing people who do amazing things. So um, all the social media, Taste Life Nutrition is everywhere. Uh, this will also be the Taste Life Nutrition podcast. We're streaming live every Thursday at 10 a.m., Mountain Time, um, and then of course we have, which I hit on a little while ago, but Soulful Conception, which is purposeful living for a healthy body, a healthy baby, and a healthy pregnancy. Um, I have found this to be a—it's—it's uh, it's such a key factor in creating our own health, but being empowered and understanding that I have the ability, as I say, as is the or me as the general we, right? So if you are in that phase of looking to grow your family, um, being as healthy as you can be today will impact your pregnancy. It will impact that child and it will impact generations to come. Um, and I want, I want women to have that power, to, to know that they have that power because it's really, really beautiful. Um, to to take into I think so often we sit back we're like I'm just one person what can I do, and we can do so much it is in our power we have an amazing amount of power and that's what I want with this with this program so if you have questions about it feel free to reach out happy to chat about it um, I would say in a sense it's also uh, what I'm hoping is going to be a little bit of a community you know we're slowly bringing people in. Uh, but it's, 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 I would say it's a little bit similar, also obviously very different topics, but you know, kind of similar in bringing women in to connect, to learn, to understand, to learn their bodies, what it is that they can do to, to, to move through that process as healthfully and as empowered as possible. So thank you again, Dr. Diane. I appreciate you so much. If you'll stick with me for just a second, um, then We'll see everybody next Thursday, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, streaming live, KUHSDenver.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.